Section 8 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 11. Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 8. Why the Iroquois Hated the French. 1609. By Eva March Tappan. In order to win the friendship of the Algonquins, Champlain agreed to assist them in their war against the Iroquois. The Editor. In the spring of 1609, the expeditions set out. Up the St. Lawrence, the company paddled, and up the Richelieu River, there were sixty Indians, Algonquins and Hurons, in the canoes, and two white men besides Champlain. When the first night came and they were ready to encamp, they went ashore, and in two hours they had made shelters of bark, cut down trees, and piled them into a barricade. They then lay down to sleep. Champlain told them that they ought to set a guard. But we are tired, they replied. We have worked all day. How could we watch all night? The scouts have looked through the forest a long way ahead, and they have found no tracks of the Iroquois. The Indians set no guard, but they did one thing that seemed to them of far more importance. They consulted their soothsayer, or medicine man, to see whether they would win the fight. He shut himself into a little wigwam of poles, covered with skins, and while the rest of the tribe crouched about it, watching and listening with fear and wonder and curiosity. First a mumbling, and a groaning came to their ears. Then the tent shook. That is the power of the spirit, the Manitou. The Indians whispered to Champlain, Soon you will see fire and smoke coming out of the hole in the peak of the wigwam. The white man watched as closely as they could, but he saw neither fire nor smoke. He did see, however, that not the manito, but the soothsayer, was shaking the poles. The tones of the medicine man grew louder. Then little squealing, wailing sounds were heard. That is the voice of the manito, said the Indians. He is in the wigwam. He looks like a stone. After a while, all was quiet. Then the conjurer came out and declared that the Manitou promised them a great victory. When they were once assured of success, they set to work to plan their battle. The chief brought a bundle of sticks a foot long, one to represent each Indian, with two longer ones to stand for the two lesser chiefs. These sticks he carried to a level spot and arranged them, as he wished his men to stand in battle. The Indians watched every motion and when he told them to take their places, they made no mistakes. This drill was repeated two or three times, and then the warriors felt that only one thing more was needed to make them certain of victory. And that was the report of their white friend that he had had a good dream. What did you dream? They asked him every morning. Did you dream of the Iroquois? At last he answered, I dreamed that I saw the Iroquois drowning in the lake and that you said, let them drown, they are no good. Then the Indians were delighted, for victory was sure. 
up the beautiful island-studded lake, which is named for Champlain they paddled. Each day they grew more watchful, for they might catch sight of the Iroquois at any moment. Soon they began to sleep by day and move only by night. Late one evening the canoes of the enemy were seen. Both parties gave exultant shouts, and the Iroquois made for the shore. Want to fight? called the Algonquins. Nothing else, shouted the Iroquois. Come on, then, cried the Algonquins. When the sun rises, the Iroquois answered. They cut down trees for their barricade. Then they danced and sang, and called out insults to their foes. The Algonquins replied even more jubilantly than the Iroquois, for in the bottom of each of the three canoes lay a white man with his fire-throwing stick. When the sun rose, the Algonquins landed, and the Iroquois marched out to battle. The chiefs wore tall plumes, and many of the men carried shields of interwoven twigs or of wood covered with skins. The Algonquins and Hurons ran forward. Then they opened a path between them, for Champlain, the great champion, in his breastplate and cask of steel. He fired, and two of the Iroquois fell. For a moment their friends were too amazed to move. Then came a storm of arrows from both sides, but one more shot from a second white man routed the enemy, and the fiercest tribe of Indians in the forests of the New World fled like rabbits. They could meet warriors, but not demons with sticks that breathed out fire. This fight took place near the site of Fort Ticonderoga, and on that ground, a century and a half later, was fought a terrible battle between the English and the French. And yet, this little skirmish between two parties of Indians in the wilderness, one side aided by three white men, was of far more significance in the history of America. From that day, the Iroquois were the bitter foes of the French, and when the struggle came between France and England to decide who should rule in America, the fierce enmity of this most savage of Indian tribes did much to answer the question. End of section 8 this recording is in the public domain.